educational personnel and everybody else who might be listening in. It's Loretta Smith here, and I want to remind you that you are listening to the Retro TV Trivia Podcast with Pat McCormack and me too sometimes. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans, and welcome to Retro TV Trivia. I'm your host, Pat McCormack, from the Golden Rage of TV. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with my dear friend, the lovely Kathy Garber from Family Affair. We discuss her behind-the-scenes days playing heartthrob Sissy Davis and her positive experiences working with producer Ed Hartman. We also touch on the short stint of movie star John Williams filling in for an ailing Sebastian Cabot. Her always awesome merchandise is talked about, including some great gift ideas like her new Firestar cinnamon-scented candle and her new family affair scrapbook. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my dear friend, Kathy Garver. Kathy! Hello there, Pat, and happy birthday on this beautiful day. Who told you it was my birthday? Oh, a little elf just climbed up and stood on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. <laughs> it could have been either that or it was just me. Hey, Kathy, you know, today is my 59. I didn't say that, but it was kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. And I, I, we're good friends. So we see all this stuff on Facebook when we can keep our, our dates together. I am so happy to be talking to you because, you know, how do you find time in your schedule to do any of this? You're just working, working, working. <laughs> it's because I don't complete one thing at a time. I, I get bored. And so I go from one thing and I said, oh, but I should do that. And I should do that. And then I should do that. But then finally, at the end of the day, it's all wrapped up into a bundle. And I, I get most things done because as an actress and an, and a writer and a host and a voiceover person and, and different things. That's one thing. But I also run the household and make sure the plants are done and make dinner almost every night and gather information for a new cookbook or, or whatever. It's just that, God forbid, I should ever slow down. They say, oh, my goodness, is, is this what life is? Huh? I thought it was just doing all these fun things. Yeah, I don't foresee that ever happening. <laughs> I don't either. And I, I, I know you like to do the holidays up. Um, you guys are big into the into the uh, celebration. Um, and I was curious, are you do you set up early for it? Or are you kind of like a right after Thanksgiving kind of family? Well, as old as I am, and I'm a little bit older than 59, <clears throat> as some people, but I have my 31-year-old son and his uh, fiance that have lived with us for 10 years. Well, my son's always lived. He never lived, left home. He did for about three months. and went to and that was it. So, like, my uh, chicks never fled the nest. They just bring people in to live with us into the nest. Too. So these kids love to celebrate early, but and they love all the holidays. So we had up uh, just for Halloween, we kind of went with a fall decor. So we have wreaths on the door that are like autumn. Uh, wreaths and you walk in and there's a big sign that says autumn <laughs> and pumpkins galore now for halloween we added some cats and some ghosts and some different kinds of ribbon that had 
jack-o'-lanterns on them. And uh, so as a matter of fact, I was just putting out and I had taken the Halloween decor down and, but the boxes were still in the dining room. And, uh, but so the wreaths could primarily stay up and the pumpkins, um, these big fake pumpkins, I think I got them at Costco, but they've lasted like five or six years. So they got off of the dining room table and I made it more of a, a quiet decor for this Thanksgiving that my kids uh, invited or actually my great grand nephew said, oh, let's have uh, Thanksgiving at Aunt Kathy's house <laughs> and let's bring my twins who are now uh, three years old and their older brother who is like five and I said oh <laughs> when they were here before COVID these kids are so energetic they're running all over and, and breaking glass uh, casseroles <laughs> so says, mom maybe we shouldn't have this glass casserole you know those baker's tin and we'll do a buffet and I said I'm liking that idea and he says and then we don't have to do any dishes okay there's method behind your madness <laughs> but I am going to task my son with putting up at least the Christmas lights now uh, because that's, you know, this is a holiday season and Thanksgiving is it. We love Thanksgiving. There's so many things that we have to be thankful and grateful for and blessed for. And these kids recognize it. My son and my husband, as you know, he fell down a 180 foot cliff. Yes. Where live in Bell Canyon and he is still recovering mm. but we are grateful that that he is about he does not know the twins are coming yet <laughs> <laughs> mom save that for the end don't tell yeah. them yet we'll just surprise him and he, I said, oh well I don't know and he said yeah yeah okay so um, we're going to put up the lights and then we usually go the day after Christmas to uh, get the the tree but I have a feeling that maybe we'll go and we'll give something, you know, and the and the little kids can help decorate it and maybe they can make some decorations, keep them busy so they don't break glass casseroles. Yes. Yes. Well, and that, we're the same. It's the, like we have, you know, it's funny. We live kind of parallel lives. Everything you've just, just described is basically happening here. Um, <laughs> and I don't know who's coming. So that, I'm, I'm blissfully unaware of. Of what's happening there, but you know, right after Thanksgiving, we we go right into the uh, Christmas mode, and you know, finally I broke down and got one of those f fake prop up trees, which I'm thinking is the anti Kathy Garver method of of putting a Christmas tree up. When we were in Northern California, we would always go to the Christmas lot, our favorite Christmas lot over in Half Moon Bay, and it's where you chop your own tree down. But, of course, then we always got the owner to chop it down for us. Yes. <laughs> We'd pick it out. But it was, the you know, that's the tree that we want. We get it on the top of our roof and of the car and drive it back. But now that we're in L.A., we I don't even know where there's a Christmas tree lot here in, in urban Southern California. So uh, we've gotten it uh, the last couple of years at, at a nice Christmas tree lot. But I have to prepare in advance because um, – I have I, I give a lot of presents and and I have a new sissy spray and a new uh, sissy candle that I'm going to give to a lot of people. That's uh, that's a 
a cranberry kind of scent. Last year it was like a pine scent, but this year the the candles are cranberry and the spray is can is uh, cranberry. And I'm going to bundle. I'm going to have a bell book and candle in one of my bundles, which will be my newest book, which is the Family Affairs Scrapbook, and then a little bell, and then the Christmas candle. Do you know where bell book and candle emanates? Do you know what movie? Oh, oh, I didn't know there was going to be a test. I'm sorry, and I forget the name of it myself. Okay, good. I feel so bad. <laughs> Please, share it with my listeners. <laughs> and it was about a witch. I don't know which witch, but it's about a witch. But this is a bewitching Christmas, so I'm going to have a bell, book, and candle in a bundle with uh, a tote bag with a logo of the family of our family affair family with Uncle Bill and and Mr. French and Buffy Jody and and me Sissy with a happy holidays wreath. Um, oh, that's wonderful! And and folks, Kathy usually her merchandise is some of the best you can find when it comes to what celebrities have to offer. I highly recommend well everything. Um, it, because I've been able to be lucky recipient of some of your Christmas deliveries. And as a matter of fact, I have the family affair scrapbook in my hands right now. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun book to put together. And they're so just right when we were doing family affair, like 19... 19- 70s is really when it started, even though our show started in 1966. But merchandise was just coming into be and into play. And as you know, Disney makes most of its money from its merchandise, from its dolls and its candles and its clothes and, and whatever, once the, the movie is out. But uh, Family Affair started putting out paper dolls and coloring books and, and view masters and, and all kinds. And of course the, the iconic uh, lunch boxes. Yeah. So I kind of kept up the tradition with uh, my sissy products, but my stepson actually makes this soy candles, which are nice and they don't burn smoke. So they're all handmade. Everything is, is handmade. So that's except for the bells. Mm. I bought those at Michael's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, um, speaking of candles, now, I I looked through your site, and I noticed something. Maybe this isn't new, and shame on me for not seeing it sooner, but there's a Firestar candle. Yes, yes, and that's cinnamon, because she's just full of, of energy and, and fire. So my, my character as Firestar and Spider-Man and his amazing friends um, – I have a special candle for her, and she is still as vibrant and even more so, I think, now than when I first created her voice for the Spider-Man series. And there is like a six-inch um, figure of her that came out uh, this at last year, and now this year is a 12-inch statue of Firestar, all done by Marvel. And so she's a, she's a pretty dynamic character. And mirrors her voice actor. Um, I mean, that's it. I I hope I gave her life. Well, you did. And I can't imagine. I mean, if they were to reestablish these characters, you know, I would like to think your name would be the top of the list to bring back Firestar. Because, again, I put up pictures of, hey, I'm, I'm talking to my friend Kathy Garver. And what I get back is she looks so good. 
And I'm like, well, I know she looks good, but you should hear her. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I love you, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) It's mutual and it's honest. I'm being honest. You You have such a youthful everything about you, but... That voice, you know, is, uh, well, it doesn't age. And I'm, I'm curious, would that be a possibility? If they were to bring Firestar back, would you go for that role? Or would you just uh, give it to somebody new? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think you know that, that we have a pilot for Aunt Sissy. And I love my characters that I did. I there I feel very personal about them, and they're they're mine. Even when they tried to do a remake of uh, Family Affair, which did not do well, um, I had a cameo. But I'm thinking, no, it's much better to do a sequel for a show than to remake a show. In my opinion, yeah. um, the people fall in love with those original characters. They want to know what happens to them, like Jerry Mathers, and you know what happened. Um, to them when he grew up, et cetera, and the Brady Bunch when they grew up and they use the same people. In animation, it's even easier because we're just using our voice. And my voice could be higher like Firestar or it could be a lower, older Firestar telling the younger Firestar what to do. As a matter of fact, that's kind of an interesting concept to to bring to them. And I think that she should have her own show. Um she the the Spider-Man and his amazing friends, that was Stan Lee's one of the first times that and the first time that he brought characters directly to a show instead of them starting out in a comic book and then their next step going to an animated uh, show. Right. So this they were always original. And I think for Firestar to have her own show, and especially with this interest with the, the characters coming and maybe there's going to be a Funko out. And um, I think now's the time. Now's the time. I agree. Where, where do we write our letters? Where do we start this trend? Yeah, I'm going to find out. <laughs> yes. And we, we can. It started right here on Pat McCormick's podcast. I was going to say, wow, did, does this make me a producer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And a creator. <laughs> uh, an executive producer? Wait, that's the guy that pays the money, right? No. Right. If you want to do that, that's good. <laughs> I was gonna say, no, can't be me, at least not this year. <laughs> okay. How about producing then? That that you you are a very productive fellow. I will go and with very that. creative. There there we go. I I will go with that. Oh, thank you, dear okay. one. I call I call her dear one because you can hear why. Yeah, <laughs> that and the Energizer Bunny, and of course you can hear why that is too. Um, <laughs> but uh, Kathy, your career has just been so illustrious, and that it still just keeps going and going. And people now know where I got the Energizer Bunny from. Um, <laughs> but I know you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot of commercial work. Um, cameos here and there, do shooting pilots. And it just seems like every time I, I log on, check out what Kathy's doing, it's always something. And it's always something really cool. And man, I just, uh, I'm in awe. <laughs> well, when I taught, I, I taught voiceover how to do character voices and narration and uh, audio books, industrials, everything, and in the in the voiceover field. But I would tell my students, I said, you have to be skilled if you want to last a long time in this business. I started when I was seven, and and decades later, I'm still going, as you say, like the Energizer Bunny. But sometimes uh, people in the business 
tend to pigeonhole themselves and maybe they that's good for their brand and they can stay on one path. But personally, because I'm a Sagittarius, I think, and I like a lot of different things going on. But I also think that it is good advice to develop your skills in many different areas in the entertainment field. So not only, you know, can you be a voice actor, you can be an on-camera actor, and you don't have to just all do, you know, do comedies or all do uh, dramatic shows. And you can hone your ability for the stage and um, for all the different kinds of platforms that are are here today. This Christmas, I'm doing staged readings of A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. Oh, yes. And this is a wonderful story. On this end, I do it on this stage with a background of, of pictures from this book that, that he had written called A Christmas Memory. I'm doing that at the uh, Hollywood Heritage Museum across from the Hollywood Bowl. And I'm doing it at the Westlake Yacht Club, (laughs) which is down the street for me from a a special thing. But it's it's nice to do to do stage. And also we're doing a live streamer of that. So people could go to my website and this is so, so blatant. Sorry about that. Please do. www.kathygarver.com. And they can find when um, when it's going to stream. And even so even if someone is in New York or New Hampshire or Ohio or wherever they are, or um, I think we're only going to do it nationally, not internationally, but um, they can find out and they can can actually hear this, gather people around the computer or the TV and, and, and stream it. And it's uh, it will be a nice little holiday. They can form a holiday memory. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be there for sure. And I'll leave links to everything that we talk about here today in the description. It was like you saying, diversify. Well, now I'm a podcast host. Look at this. <laughs> yes. Isn't that nice? I think so. And you so. started out with your retro. <laughs> yeah. And you had such a good concept. And, you know, that's what is admirable when you have an idea and so many people have ideas, but there it is just in one's head. And they say, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Unless you get out, you do it, you do the work, you know, to actually see it through. And then it's, it's so satisfying and you've done such a great job. And he said, well, we could grow it from here and then we could grow it from there. And you, but you know, you got to do the work. <laughs> and um, no escaping that and the research and um, all of the above. I mean, not to mention all if you can't afford a technical crew, which I get I get the reason why a lot of these these hosts have separate technical crews because that, yeah, it's, it seems to be a little overwhelming in in that way. Um, they good old technology. We're going to make it easier but for you. Learned- but you've learned so much, you know, and then taken it and, and gone and ran and run with it. You know, that's it. That's the beauty um, of all of it, because you can learn. And it's thank you tutorials <laughs> for all for teaching us to do everything. You know, it's good old YouTube. You can just get in and ask it anything. And there's there's the answer. Um, right. And I must applaud my son because he he had an idea. And he decided he was going to do with it. Not great big idea, but um, this is a, a DIY. And we have this three-car garage, and we moved down here. And the garage was just full of boxes because up in Northern California, we had an attic, we had a basement, but we don't 
Southern California doesn't have attics and basements. Mm-hmm. You know, it's flat. They build things on, uh, you know, a, a, a stone platform. Right. And uh, so he decided uh, just about three weeks ago that he was going to clear out all the boxes of one of the, the uh, garages, which we did. We threw all this stuff away. And he hand-built and hand-put together this this bar and two chairs, hand put together perfectly a table and two other chairs, uh, painted all the walls. There was um, an unfinished part of the garage that had uh, this insulation. He took down all the insulation and exposed these wonderful beams. And he did this all and perfectly. And, and then he got some uh, some flags on on Amazon and there was a refrigerator there and like a little uh, microwave. Well, he just finished out Reed's brewery yesterday and is going to have a cold beer to celebrate this fabulous space that he hand did everything. So well, what time do you want me over? I have to applaud my son. Yeah, come on over for a cold beer <laughs> in Reed's Brewery. Reed can not only do that kind of stuff, but I do know he can cook, too. Not that I've been lucky oh, enough to enjoy that, but uh, he's a talented guy, he is that's for sure. Fabulous, fabulous cook. He he really is. Oh, so, that's so sweet. That's great. Yeah. Well, I do need to address the elephant in the room. If I'm using that term correctly, it's called family affair. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about her off and on here, but I was looking through the scrapbook here, which, folks, <laughs> you've got to get this. It's not only just a great book to have, keep on your coffee table or whatever, a gift for a fellow enthusiast. It's it's just great. It's a great companion with Surviving Sissy, of course, your autobiography, which is the first thing I ever really studied up on your fascinating life, and uh, highly recommend that, too. But it's been a couple of years since I read that, so I had to kind of kind of catch up. <laughs> where where was I? Um, I wanted to ask you about Ed Hartman. Mm. This guy seemed to really be, what's for lack of a better term, sissy's champion, um, or maybe the whole show's champion. Is that accurate? Did you you still have, of like, if it wasn't for him, this may not have happened, that kind of a feeling? I agree with you. I, I agree with you 100%. He was a really fascinating figure, a brilliant man. And he was the like the president of the Writers Guild. And he had done so many of the Abbott and Costello um, movies and right. produced them and then made the transition. And he did My Three Sons and um, then Family Affair. So first, he was a very talented, bright Man. Secondly, he had this wonderful um, part about him, and he felt good about leading people along some of the paths that he thought were important to them at different parts of their lives. And he was the one from, you know, this now this story that I, I have told many times, but when I was first going to get the job and they wanted a blonde and I had dark <laughs> hair and my mom came over to the sorority and took me to this uh, interview and I'm sitting there because she, before we left, had sprayed my hair with the streaks and tips and turned it this kind of bronze color and hard <laughs> like a metal helmet. We walk in and I'm sitting and having such a nice conversation with this lovely man. And then he says, what's wrong with your hair? 
And I said, my hair? He said, yes, it's turning green. And I said, oh, <laughs> it must be the light. And we <laughs> just got along. <laughs> so we got along so well. And he guided me. He said, this is a book. I think that you should join the Book of the Month Club. And also, here is a wonderful book that you should read. The, um, that's uh, Watson and Crick's. Right. Uh, is that the genetics code? Yes, the genetics code and how they discovered DNA. I had told him I was started out at UCLA as an anthropologist, and I wanted to know the answer of life. Why are we all here? So he listened to people, and he pointed them in the right direction. And it was, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm friends with his grandson now. And uh, we just were in Palm Springs doing uh, a celebrity cook-off for the Parkinson's research person. And Ed, I know, was there sitting right down with us, uh, having some of the, the, the food. His spirit and his his brilliance is, it still remains. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I was looking into him, and he's just a, what a fascinating visionary, you know. Um, yes, yes. Visionary is a good word. He really helped the evolution of the classic TV sitcom with... Lots of color. <laughs> yes, lots of color, because ours was one of the very first shows of color. Yeah. And that's why they had that kaleidoscope and, and to remind people just if they didn't realize they were watching a show in color. Well, here it is. So, yeah. What a uh, brilliant move, too. I mean, I vividly remember that as a child when it was on first run and just going, oh, this is this show's for me. What do you mean I can't stay up to watch it? <laughs> There's kids in it. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. That's because they thought that the the real appeal was going to be this wonderful debonair bachelor, Brian Keith. Brian Keith audience, yeah. <laughs> yes, and and who are his, you know, different people that he would be going out with and then these little kids would just be on the side, "Oh, yes, I have children living with me now." But, you know, the twins were so cute and and here was a nice, you know, bubbly little teenager and I said, "Oh, well, those are kind of nice uh, people and I want to know more about them. Let's let's write some more stories about them." And by the way, there's a total heartthrob on this show. I can't miss it. <laughs> and I'm so in love with her. But enough about Buffy. Um, I was actually. <laughs> she was too young for you. <laughs> yes, she was. Well, actually, she was right about my age. But the fact yes, is, I had a crush on you, sissy. I'm sorry. Just uh, like me, like every other red blooded, all American boy. Um, but of course, that was it. Uh, yes, you, she, sissy was a cougar. Yes. Sissy cougar. And, cougar. and man, sissy. they just, they dolled you up. In every possible way, your poor hair, I think, was probably the most victimized. <laughs> Rather than your <laughs> well, mom trying you to know, color yeah. it, you had how many different hairstyles did Sissy have? Well, she had a lot. And, you know, it's interesting because I was the only one that changed during that series and, and had an arc, as they call it now, because Buffy stayed the same with a little pigtails and and Johnny had the curly hair Brian's hair changed a, a little bit but he was basically the same character and and Sebastian of course wore the same thing the whole thing well here I and so they're more memorable in in some ways because that you immediately say oh yeah Buffy pigtails you know uh Sebastian the the uh outfit of the 
butler and the man's man. Sissy, oh yeah, she changed all the time. Yeah, there was Sissy. Sometimes she wore her hair on the side and then sometimes it was really long. And I think in the fifth season, she just cut it all off. (laughs) So here I was, this emerging personality and changing from this little girl from from Indiana with with ribbons in my hair to this sophisticated woman who emerged after five years. Well, isn't that it? That's so interesting, too, because obviously that's what happens in real life. And mm-hmm. basically, they let you emulate what real life of a teen- teenager is, whereas <laughs> your poor on-screen sister, they tried to keep her the same age. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Anissa definitely had to wear smaller than she should have to shoes and clothes and they just they tried to keep Buffy a baby yeah at least a six-year-old and she owned and in the show she was maybe went from like six to eight or whatever and she started out that show at nine so she was really almost up to 14 still wearing short dresses she did kind of push Mrs. Beasley aside that last year, but it was hard for her Mm. and especially hard for her to go back to school and people, you know, see her. And she never really had that time, that tween time that is such an important uh, time for kids when they're growing up and trying to find their own identity. Very difficult. But she was a, a wonderful, beautiful heart and spirit and soul. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. Well, now again, you were the uh, you were the heartthrob. You were the we've got to keep everything beautiful about Sissy. And the actress had no problems doing that. I'm just I, I wonder the the networks. Did you ever have any like and early on here, you know, they got kids on the show. You weren't a kid. You were of course you were kind of like Buffy. You were playing a kid. But I was curious, and I am curious about this, about what restrictions they put on you and maybe the kids. Maybe that would have been completely different. But, you know, here you're on a hit show. Um, You are not to go horseback riding. You are not to go scuba diving. You are not to do anything that can damage you. Was there ever anything like that? They really didn't do that. And that's why Anissa wound up with green hair one one season because she would go swimming in the pool and her hair was, was peroxided. And so she would have green hair like I started out with on the show. Or there was the, the unfortunate occasion when she broke her leg and then was wearing a cast and then put her behind couches or whatever. Ouch. They were pretty, uh, they were pretty non-restrictive restrictive with our personal lives but when we were actually doing the show i wanted my my dresses shorter i wanted to be you know really kind of hip that that 60s look right. with the boots and the and the mini skirts well no they wouldn't they weren't going to hear about that they wouldn't mind maybe if i went to a disco on my own time but on set the the all the wardrobe and everything was much more in a conservative vein which would last much longer. And they, I found out um, after my rebellion of saying, oh, I want to have shorter skirts and mine were not. And that this show you can look at and you would even think now it is of our era and of our decade from the, the living room, you know, to the 
um, the things that people wore, of course, Sebastian wore his uniform and the kids were, you know, they kids clothes don't change that much. But mine, you know, I could still wear some of those things today if I weren't 10 pounds heavier. <laughs> oh, jeez. Come on. Well, I mean, it was very modern. And that was what was really cool. You really felt like this is now. This is cutting edge now. This is not only cutting edge now. This is rich bachelor cutting edge now, whatever that means. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very slick, very stylish. Um, yes, and uh, what was the other question I had for you about the show? Oh, I just put up um, uh, graphics of different actors and, and folks just to remind folks this is what they did. This is what they were on. This is this and that. And I had one um, of John Williams. And John Williams, not the composer, folks. I'm talking about John Williams, the movie star, also a movie star, <laughs> who replaced, not replaced, but filled in for Sebastian as, as Niles French. And I should know off the top of my head just how long he was there for, but um, I don't. The question I had for you, though, was was that a smooth transition while it was there? Or was did you find it uncomfortable to work with him comparatively? Or wh- what, was your, what was your take on John Williams? I love John Williams. I just thought he he was so good. And, you know, he played Sabrina's father, Audrey Hepburn's father in Sabrina. And he had played that, you know, kind of English uh, distinguished gentleman, gentleman, butler. And he was so good, but he was so personable and so real. And I I just adored him. I mean. I would have loved for him to stay the whole show. Um, but I, I like Sebastian too. But Sebastian had a whole different kind of take on it. John was actually much more refined than Sebastian. And uh, so Sebastian was more of a character that he invented, whereas John, he was like the real deal in, in many ways. <laughs> And I, I just thought he was he was terrific. I, I so enjoyed working with him and I welcomed Sebastian back. But, you know, I, I really did admire him. So, yeah, it was a great casting choice. Um, like I said, yes. I'm a big Hitchcock fan and I thought he was just brilliant in Dial M for Murder. It was oh, yes. he really carried that movie. I mean, not like not like those actors needed any help, but he really was almost like the comic relief um the smart guy. I mean, he <laughs> he was just wonderful in that. And uh, I just thought I'd ask, see what your memories yes. were. And thank you for that. Oh, yeah. No, he was he was very, very good. He was on for about nine episodes. And just because of the way we shot, and it was Sebastian went out because of his hand and he had some other medical problems. And but he was ready to come back, you know, in like two weeks. But, you know, we shot scenes from like four different shows each day, all the ones that Brian Keith was in. So we uh, had to match them. And that's why he was on longer than you know, Sebastian was, was chomping at the bit to get back in. Oh. But, uh, but, but he, he did eventually. And, and he was just jolly, quite jolly. <laughs> uh, but not really the Mr. French you see on TV in real life. Uh, no, I mean, I went over to his house and he's, you know, he's in his warm ups and he's just comfy. And, you know, he he never had any formal training or 
education that for that. I mean, he left school. He didn't even go to an English high school. So his was more his way of understanding life was through real experiences rather than any kind of literary teaching or any formal acting teaching. He got it from he was a chauffeur. And as a driver, he was driving one of the top uh, stars in England. And he got most of his training from from him. Isn't that something? I mm-hmm. did not know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, and that's why we do podcasts, so we can find out all these little different kinds of things that yeah. can be interesting. Oh, yeah. that's so wonderful. And, of course, you're always such a great source. <laughs> and, I mean, there's never nothing to talk to Kathy about because she's always doing something. I was Like I was saying, the Energizer Bunny is doing commercials, um, speaking on Westerns, doing all kinds of fan events. Um it's just now that COVID's kind of in the rearview mirror, you're you're working a lot more, I would assume, or, or making more uh, event appearances. Is that is that happening or going to happen this coming oh, well, year? Yeah, I I um, I finished one movie, Old Man Jackson, and that is going to premiere in January. And then I did another one. I start in a movie called Yellowbird this year. And um, that just premiered, well, this first showing was at the American Film uh, Mart, and that will also be out. And even during COVID, I I had flown back to Ohio when we did the pilot for my show TV Dinners, which is a reality show where I have different celebrities on, like Butch Patrick was on our pilot, and he did, you know, the Munsters, and he made, we made this meal, and caught up with him and it's kind of a look back into the 60s but it's a healthy makeover of those tv frozen dinners that we had so we did that pilot and i have that new book that will be coming out next year the tv dinners tv book and so that that's all going and then i recorded um a couple audiobooks which are coming out um we just finished becoming thelma lou my journey to hollywood and Mayberry and beyond. And that was about Betty Lynn. And so she conferred with her two authors, Jim Clark and Tim McAbee, and they made the book and then I recorded it. So that'll be available soon. And then I do these books for my friend, uh, Dr. Fred Eichelman. He does a Happy Trails Festival oh, every Fred. year, but he's, he's a teacher. <laughs> and yeah, and Dr. Fred is just a wonderful author, and he started out on these series. He loves cats, he and his wife, A Cat's Tale of the Nativity, yep. which is so fitting for the holiday season, and then A Cat's Tale of the Resurrection and the Spirit. Well, his newest one is A Cat's Tale of Heaven, which I just finished recording and sent on to him, and that will be out in December, and they're all available on Amazon. Our friend Amazon just has Everything from three-inch nails that I just got for repair for the our, our uh, tile roof to a cat's tail of heaven. Isn't that great? And it all gets delivered right to your door. Well, it's amazing to me. <laughs> and what amazes me that you could buy something for like eight dollars. And they'll have it to you the next day. Yeah. Or if you order within like three hours, they'll. I, uh, I ordered a whole big shed, a gardening shed, that was here in two days that my fabulous, talented son put together in like an hour and a half. Oh, I was going to say, we did the same thing. Um, can Reed come over and put it together for me? <laughs> He's so good. Now, if we were up in Northern California, I'd send him right down. Yes. 
<laughs> it's like put tab A into slot B and make sure you use this screw with the correct washer. Oops, sorry, you made the wrong one. You did the wrong one about six moves back. You got to take it all apart again. That's me. Um, oh, well, and you know, for this particular shed, the review said, oh, it's it's really nice and it's durable and all that, but it's really difficult to put together. And so I was hesitant, but I got it and there he was. He did it. I swear to God, perfectly. Oh, he probably prefers it that way, I'm guessing. Yes. And, and I tell him, you know why, Reed? Because you had such a wonderful mother and we did puzzles all the time and you learned how to put all those pieces of the puzzle together. You're you, welcome. You know. <laughs> You do owe it all to me. <laughs> but I love you anyway. Yes. <laughs> I, re- I remind him of that a lot. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. I think this will be episode 10 of my podcast. I have it out in a couple of weeks. And can you tell folks where they can find you on social media real quick? Sure. It's uh, Kathy Garver fan page. Or my personal one is uh, Kathy Garver. And uh, Instagram is at KG Sissy. And you can get all my stuff on my website at KathyGarver.com. Or you can go to Amazon where a lot of my stuff is as well. Yeah. And Audible. And it's all great. Trust me on that, folks. I've got it in my hands right now. I have tangible (laughs) evidence right here that it is all high-quality, entertaining wonderful stuff. Yeah, you you do it right, Kathy, as usual. And um, Reed owes you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He does. And and I I will never let him forget that. (laughs) I'm in the same boat. I owe you a lot. You know, it's it's been a few years now. And I knew you were there to support me right from the get go. And that has not changed. And I simply can't thank you enough for that. Well, my pleasure. I mean, I, I instantly liked you and I and I so admire, as I say, how you have started and gone from one thing to another to build such such a nice um, platform. And I know it's going to do very well. And I want to wish you a very happy, happy birthday oh, today. And I you. hope you have wonderful holidays. And I know you will. Oh, thank you so much. And of course, same to you. So with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to the wonderful Kathy Garver. And yeah, you hear it, right? You hear what I hear. She's amazing. And she never stops. I don't (laughs) want her to ever stop. That's the fact. So thank you, Kathy. Thanks, Pat. So there you have it. Another retro TV trivia episode in the books. Remember to check out Kathy's online store, which I'll leave the link to in my description. And be sure to follow Kathy Garver on all the various forms of social media. You'll find links to those too. And you'll see for yourself why I call her the Energizer Bunny. Please take the time to like and subscribe to this podcast. A positive rating and review would be appreciated. Or just share it with the world. You can also follow me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. Until next time, I'm your host, Pat McCormack, and thanks for listening to Retro TV Trivia.